The bill I'm working on now is 742 is a canine bill because the California Police Department wants to bring the canine back in to have its own little force. So these dogs can have the ability to bite us, right? To make an arrest. Matter of fact, to use use of force on you through the dog bites rather than them just beating you down. They'll put these dogs on you now. But there's, you know, and, and just kind of going through a backdrop, there's a there's a history within our DNA concerning these dogs running us down. Absolutely. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so enslavement period. Exactly. You know, and so we we're arguing that this canine force don't need to be in existence. These dogs bites uh, don't need to happen. You know, we don't want them to have free reign with these dogs, these canine dogs, be able to just chase you down and just eat you alive or bite and put holes all in you, right? Because these dog bites are pretty severe. Good evening. My name is Roxanne Johnson. My son's name was Jamal Bird. He was uh, killed by DC Metropolitan Police October the 1st, 2019. I'm here with my co-host. Good evening, Latoya. How are you doing this evening? Good evening, you guys. My name is Latoya Benson. I am the mother of the lovely Xavier Hill. Uh, Xavier was killed by two Virginia State Police officers on January the 9th, 2021, at the age of 18. Um, I have, we have, I'm sorry, the honor of being joined tonight um, by Mr. and Mrs. Andrew Joseph. You guys want to go ahead and give yourselves an intro, please. Yes, my name is Deanna Joseph, and I'm the mother of 14-year-old Andrew Joseph III. And I'm Andrew Joseph Jr. My son was Andrew Joseph III. He was killed in uh, Tampa, Florida, February 7, 2014. Uh, he was broken down the sheriff's Thank you for joining us this evening. Could you tell our audience a little bit about what happened to your son? Yes. Um, 
My son as a 14 year old on a Friday night had asked permission to attend the school fair that our school district um, provided tickets to. Um, Andrew and some of the neighbors and children in our community, um, the carpool mother, which was my neighbor, transported the children to the fair. And on this particular night, um, Andrew was excited. He, he had friends that he had planned this event with. They were um, gathering their best of outfits so that they can um, go to the fair. Uh, Andrew shared some of his clothing with some of the young people who were in our home. Um, they were testing many scents of cologne just to be able to smell good on that night. And um, on that particular evening, I just never envisioned that I would not see my son again. Um, and I also never envisioned the fight that would be ahead of me when I realized that my son went to a school-sponsored event where law enforcement, Hillsborough County Sheriff deputies were working as chaperones and supervisors, supervisory um, would take my child and unjustly profile him because the gang task force were working that night. Um, they would also um, handcuff and shackle and take his clothes off looking for gang identifiers on his body when he had no affiliation with any gangs. Um, it was also um, very disappointing to, to learn that uh, Andrew in his attempt to rectify the issues, he was turned away on multiple occasions as he was trying to explain to the officer who was detaining his little league teammate, Robert, that, um, they had done nothing wrong. Uh, Robert, who had lost his hat and shoe on that evening as Andrew was riding the Ferris wheel and then standing in line for the Ferris wheel saw that Robert hat and shoe had fell down and just simply picked up the hat and shoe and gave it back to him. And Corporal Mark Clark um, detained Andrew, uh, handcuffed him, shackled him and took him into custody, which was an unjust uh, detention, which was an unjust um, arrest and definitely was an unjust um, level of taking a child into custody, transporting a child um, from one location to another location and abandoning that child on the road at night with no call to a parent. And that child subsequently being killed as a result of those um, action. So it has been a long journey. As my husband said, this was February 7, 2014. And um, it took eight and a half years to, to ever see a day in court because of um, the ending, the qualified immunity that these officers have. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think that's one point I wanted to make. Like you said, people say, like, in the way, all the time, like, Qualified immunity is not just when someone is shot by the police. Um, Deanna and Andrew's son was killed leaving from a fair. And they let him, like, y'all, I'm not going to read like people she said, y'all have said already, but qualified immunity is only a fact when someone is only like shot by the police. Uh, Deanna, can you kind of go more into detail about what you had to go through as far as the hoops are concerned with qualified immunity? Yeah, 
Yeah, man, you got to realize that, you know, we went eight years without a police report. They never really told us what happened that night. I mean, you know, they were able to file qualified immunity. And, and, you know, for the most part, if me and you went to court, we would have to get a verdict before we can file an appeal. With qualified immunity, they can file an appeal at every junction of the, uh, of the case. Every time that they file an appeal, it ties the appeal up for about 16 months. An appeal is, uh, most time is out of town. Our particular uh, appeal, of course, was in Atlanta. And it's not a jury uh, appellate court. It's, it's, it's composed of three judges from uh, three different states. And it's constantly changing with three judges that you get. And these three judges hears your case and, uh, and makes a decision on your case and then sends it back to the lower court. And that process takes about 16 months. So every time that they file uh, an appeal, in our case, they file four, five, five appeals in the course of uh, eight years. And it's just a, it's just a process that, that that ties up your time because this is built to Absolutely. kill you. This is built to kill you. This is built to dig in your pocket. This is a yep. built to uh, mess with your mental state. You go from putting the pistol in your mouth to wanting to put the pistol in everybody's mouth. So this is a, an emotional roller coaster. And most mm -hmm. families die during that time of bereavement of their loved one. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to get out the bed again and you know go back to work and just just some kind of new normal. But you actually an infant starting all over again without your loved one in your life. So, you know, that's the beginning of qualified immunity. After we go through the whole, whole ordeal and put our life on, on the courtroom's floor in front of an all-white jury consisting of uh, eight females and two uh, white males, and just put your whole life story on the line and get a, and get a verdict in the state of Florida against the sheriff. It's pretty hard way to begin with, you know? And you get this verdict and uh, you think you have some kind of closure, some kind of ending to uh, this struggle. And then 72 hours later, They appeal that verdict. Really? Behind qualified immunity. So, you know, we would have to get signatures from signatures from the governor. Ron DeSantis, the stupid, uh, the, uh, the Ron man, DeSantis. We have to get signatures from the governor and uh, all got a kind of Congress would have to uh, approve it. So, you know, it's, it's another whole fight. Yeah. I think the, the most of the theater that too will not did that hear correctly did you say that within 72 hours of getting averted that they that they have did the appeal for qualified immunity? That's correct. Um, that's crazy. And I, I think even that part can be discouraging too because you think you got in a good verdict and they're gonna be on your side and you think the fight may be over. But it's like no, that ain't gonna get with another appeal. Now, this is and we we understand at this point that this is a fight forever. This yeah. is a fight forever. This is a life sentence. The fight is never over. Mm -hmm. 
every loop that you think you ran through is two, two, three more loops that's already set up waiting for you. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it's kind of like a fixed fight. It's correct. So, it's correct. It's correct. Before you even it's get correct. anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I know you two are very involved in what we what we have been of the of the movement of impacted families because we are definitely creating a movement so that we can change these systems. Um, what have you done? I know you know it's difficult um, as as an impacted parent myself, but what kinds of things have you been have done? I know you guys have a foundation. What 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 kinds of things have you done since um you know having to deal with all of this court? Well, I, I just I, I would like to first um give credence to setting legal precedents. Mm -hmm. That in itself in a trial and having a favorable verdict set legal precedents for other cases that would follow. Yeah. A settlement could not have done that. That's right. So we had to do the two weeks of a trial to be able to set a legal precedence That's right. and have this moral victory That's right. that would shed light on the innocence of 14-year-old Andrew Joseph III. So and I think people don't understand that. Yeah, they don't understand like the... the, the, the uh, the necessity of setting the presidents there, yeah. you know, and people really don't get that. That's why you're not in a fight for yourself because that's the case. And you want to settle the case and said, all right, I'm out of here, you know, but setting that presidents helps out people going forward because we know it's going to happen again. There was uh, four or five rulings from the, uh, from the bench during the trial, meaning that, you know, this is law now. Mm -hmm. Other cases could start using this as as law now because of uh because of this case incident. law, right? Case law is correct. Okay, that's and one. in our movement spaces, we hear of many families whose children have been killed. But just think if if those cases had set legal precedents, exactly what we would have today. For the new cases that are coming forward. Mm -hmm. And it's always been our mission to uh, to do everything that we possibly can to have nobody standing in these shoes that we're standing in now, because only you know, an impacted family will understand. It's it's there's no pain in the world like having to go to the graveyard to visit your child. Now, Roxanne and Latoya, we know without a doubt that death is happening, but there will never be a child to die in the manner in which Andrew had died. Because the family stood strong in making sure that his name and the record was set clear that the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office and its deputies were responsible for the death. That's right. Where they tried to blame Andrew for his death. Victim blaming. Yeah. Court records will not reflect that. A jury of their peers would not reflect that mm -hmm. because that 10 person jury was not a jury of our peers. That was a jury of their peers um, because yeah. our people, you know, refused to, to do jury duty. They came up with every excuse in the book not to do jury duty. So that jury of 10 people was a jury of all Caucasian or white light. 
individuals. A Republican jury. So the Andrew Joseph Foundation is something we started in memory of Andrew, uh, creating a legacy foundation where we're protecting children. That is what our work has envisioned because if my child can lose his life going to a school sanctioned event, then where are children safe? Where can they go? Where can parents feel peace of mind in knowing that their children are loved, cared, and supported? So the Andrew Joseph Foundation was formed foremost for that purpose and grew into movement work with families through support groups, which we hold every third Sunday with families who've lost their children through a multifaceted um, of community violence, suicide, mental health, an array of um, conditions which create destruction in our community. So I, I never felt right separating or dividing those groups. Right. So they are also welcome in our support groups. Um, and then mutual aid, um, teaching, providing a meal trains for um, families who've learned that their loved one is killed, um, providing vendor services through having a cleaning service because you know, uh, without a doubt, C CPS comes in if other siblings or surviving children are not being uh, taken care of. And I remember with just my own daughter, you know, many times she would have relatives and people coming to bring her home. And it's like she had to eat the food that the strangers were sending because mm -hmm. we weren't up for cooking meals and things like that. So and and even homework, you know. She, she pretty much had the, the class uh, teacher who would provide tutoring to her if she needed extra support because her parents, both parents were uh, out of commission because um, we was just so written with the grief of Andrew leaving us and um, not knowing where we would go from here because there was no supports there for us to tap into. So again, we promised ourselves that if this was to happen again uh, to someone else, there should be an array of resources available for families to be able to tap into. And that began where we started, what, 2014, 2015, once we uh, gathered our voices and started to, to do more and more and build more and more and we continue to build today. So basically what we're coming in with today is a blueprint on how to you know, these first uh, 48 hours, these first 72 hours, these first two weeks, because it's like a brick wall falls on your head. You don't have somebody that's uh, that's got their head screwed on tight, gathering your information and taking your pictures, because during this time, most times, the first scenario that the police delivers is the wrong scenario. But the information that they're gathering, the information that they're gathering is to support their own story at that time. So you have to have somebody on the ground immediately talking to the witnesses because that, you know, after after 48 hours, 72 hours, that red shirt becomes the orange shirt and two o'clock becomes six o'clock and Thursday became Wednesday. So you have to have somebody that's on the ground that's understanding uh, the dynamics of, uh, of what's going on. <clears throat> and the family is going through all a traumatic experience. So, you know, we, we have people come over and cut the grass and uh, the uh, have transportation for schools and it's just a wraparound service. Uh, 
the fathers is going to take the grief different from the uh, the mothers and the kids are going to uh, be different than everybody else in the family. So we have wraparound services for everybody that's going through this traumatic situation because if he was burnt up, you'll be able to go to a burn center to get this kind of treatment. If he was suffering from cancer, there's a, a cancer a, a cancer place that you can go to get treatment. But when this happens to you, there's nowhere to go, yeah. especially back in uh, 2014. There's nobody to talk to. You think you're the only one that's going through this situation. Yeah. And we just make we just made sure way back then that you know there'll never be that that lonely feeling, not knowing which way to turn for anybody that's coming behind us. Mm -hmm. And that's been uh, pretty much the mission since day one. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to, you know, personally thank you all both for your sacrifice of sticking in there and making court precedent, having case precedents that's going to live beyond. Uh, it's going to live beyond all of us. It's going to yeah. live beyond all of us. They'll be talk. They'll be citing those cases a hundred yeah. years from now, two hundred years from now, and that is extremely important. And I know it costs you something, and you had to sacrifice to do that. Yeah. And so, thank you, thank you for making that sacrifice. Um, I'm hearing you saying that you all do wraparound services for people who have been impacted with children, the loss of a child not just by police violence, but just the many different ways. Um, have you seen like where there's a, a pattern of things that you um, see in people who are, are um, uh, experiencing um, grief or things that you, you um, specifically, you know, say, yeah, we got to do these um, main things when, when someone. Well, the thing I'm seeing the most is a sense of um, loneliness. Uh, people feeling as though they they uh, their pain is not seen and their voices are not heard. And it is the most daring thing to see when we say names and we don't say another Those person. Names. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, it breaks my heart because I know there is so many names, but it hurts when there is that that deprivation of um, being seen in a place. Uh, there is also a lot as it relates to just feeling um, isolated on an island because all you've ever known has been tested. And um, not to mention just uh, family, family support being um, not every what everyone envisioned it would be like if that loved one had had had, had not died, you know? So the family dynamics uh, has changed and I, I see where the bonded family through the blood of our children becomes the more um, prominent family, the, most, the more um, endearing because you share something in common that um, your biological and blood family don't share. So um, those are intentional relationships that I and my husband try to engage in in a more um, sensitive and empathetic way because, because it matters. Yeah. Um, because these are wounded families. These are families 
who are, are surviving the most traumatic of experiences. So um, I just find us having to be a little more tender in our um, reach and our understanding uh, that everybody deals with um, trauma in a different way and have come from different trauma, traumatic experiences. Yeah, and, and I think have, like you uh, said too, and when they have a, they think their voice is like small, they don't yeah. want to, I think it affects the fight, right? Do you, do you agree with that? Definitely. And we have defined, uh, we have defined okay. grief. Yeah. As love with nowhere to go. Hmm. And then you kind of, uh, that's grief as love with nowhere to go. And then you kind of find yourself in a different stage of this, of this trauma. The first stage, you know, is, is a traumatic stage when, you know, it occurs and you're going through all kinds of denial. This can't be happening. I'm dreaming. I'm gonna wake up and everything's gonna be all right. Then you go through all kinds of anger. You're mad with God, you're mad with the world, you're mad with everybody in your house, you're mad with everybody you ever met. You know, uh, it's a lot of blaming that goes on in stage one. If I'd have did this, if they'd have did that, if she did this, if he'd have did that, my baby would still be here. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and at some point, you know, because stage one is real angry. And, and, and any little trigger can set you off because the world don't know what you're dealing with. And at some point, you know, you kind of graduate in different time stages for different people. You kind of graduate to stage two. And stage two comes with, you know, normal reasoning. And for me, it was that I was going to never see my son, Andrew Joseph III, here on earth again. Mm -hmm. I'll never see him. I'll never talk to him. I'll never see him play ball again. I'll never hear his voice. We could never smell him. That was reality. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and during that time, you know, most times that's the time you kind of develop in your voice because it's hard to have a voice in stage one. It's hard to say anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. You see, you just a, a rolling emotions. But somewhere during stage two is, is when the statute of limitations usually run out. Because the minute you're ready to talk, you know, it's been two years. Mm -hmm. and the clock has been clicking so now you can't file any papers so if you didn't have somebody working on the ground for you those 48 hours, those 72 hours those first two weeks your case is down the drain no, and that's true a lot of that was happening eventually eventually you get to stage three where most of, most of us get stuck at you see because stage three comes with forgiveness and you know, it's it's hard for me to stand up here and, and hug Officer Clark and tell him I forgive him and he's sorry and he shouldn't have did it, made all those motions that night that that you know set the train rolling to kill my son. And I forgive him and I love him and you know we could be buddy buddy now. That probably would never happen. Hmm. But that's part of State Street. That's part of you know God's test and your testimony mm -hmm. to forgive the devils. That harms you. But also with stage three, because it comes a, a platform, you know, where you're able to give back to those families that's coming through stage one. And, you know, that also comes with stage three. But, you know, we all all stuck on that forgiveness uh, 
part that comes with stage three. So it's a lot of uh, different stages that we tell you. Ain't no beginning on this side. So we, we jump right on the four, five, or 10, whatever that is. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, yeah. right over that, like, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So, one, yeah. if I can do one and two, but three, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a no-go. So. I, <laughs> I ain't ready. Melissa, can you put put um Andrew uh the third picture back up? Yeah, so we can see this young man. If if, uh, if it's a baby, just a baby, just a baby face, right? Uh, honor roll student. All pro athlete, you know what I'm saying? He was, he had just won the uh, the TBL, the uh, the Pee Wee League in eighth grade. That's his eighth grade graduation picture. He never made it to high school. Oh, that's crazy. And like I said again, only people to understand. Like y'all might know the story already. You might not know the story. But and then, like Deanna said too, going to more detail too. She was saying they did more things for his son. What the news says, the news made it seem like it was all like he. But what I read, the news puts it out there like he got in the car or whatever and then was walking around and went across the street and then whatever happened, happened. But it's still one thing that happened to him and it transpired of all those things. Um, I said again, y'all, these fights are, are not about just people getting money and getting checks and stuff. Well, the ones want to take a settlement. Uh, people got to realize this too. When you take a settlement, you do not create case law taking a settlement. Okay, great case. Um, you got you to basically right? sell your story after you take the settlement. You can never talk that's about your story is. again. So nobody benefits. The community don't nobody benefit. Nobody benefits from that at all, period. Right. The legacy don't benefit. So, you know, you got a strong case and, you know, you can perse persevere. Make sure you go to court with it. Make sure you go to court. That's keep right. Keep pushing forward. So keep pushing forward, y'all. That's what, like, put the power. A lot of times in these families, extra donations. Or not, these this stuff costs money. Y'all yeah. gotta realize that appeal lawyers cost more money than a regular lawyer costs, and they realize this too. Yeah. Almost like a yeah. doctor. And most, people don't realize, and most people don't realize that that's too. They don't get it. Yeah, that's it costs money. Lawyers. That's part, and 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 justice is res is reserved for those who can afford it. That's yeah. what it is. What the hell, right? Yeah. So. If, if someone wants to get in touch with the Joseph Foundation, do you all have a website? Do you have a way? Because um, I, I really was um, like resonating with what you said about the first 48 hours um, and how it's important that they want to get some information on what they can do if this happens to a, that one of their loved ones. How, how can they get in touch with you? Yes, we have a 501c3 um, nonprofit organization. Uh, named the Andrew Joseph Foundation, www.andrewjosephfoundation.com. Um, there's a contact link that um, you can provide your narrative and your contact information. And one of our members will get in contact with you. Um, all of our uh, people on our board of directors and, and uh, people we work with are, are volunteers. So, um, Keep that in mind, but we will definitely try to reach out within um, a reasonable time frame. You know, we cover cases, we cover families from, you know, from, from coast to coast. Yeah. From coast to coast. And at, and at this point, it's, you know, it's called our therapy. Mm -hmm. And what's so critical, too, is um, with the families we work with, we find it more essential to focus on creating campaigns and helping them identify ways in which they can uh, win. 
um, how you can aggravate, agitate, and annoy the system that has stolen from you. And um, through that, when we say no justice, no peace, we want to make that a reality. You really rattle it. Right. So um, that is pretty much the core of our um, our training when families come to us is what are your demands? Who are your targets? Identifying who your targets are and whether it's a warm target, whether it's a, a cold target. And we, we work that as systematically as possible. Um, sometimes in conjunction with each other and sometimes separately. But it is essential to um, empower our families because we know activists and organizers don't stay long. So this has to be something we're vested in in being able to create our own justice campaigns and putting um, our children's names back in our hands um, and not being so reliant on um, systems and organizations to be able to do this for us. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where I am with this education, um, creating advocacy um, forums for our, our um, survivor families and um, creating a, a greater legacy for, for what we leave behind. Mm-hmm. Because as families, we have, we have no control over when our loved one die. We have no control over... Uh, you know, when the body disintegrates in a, in a grave or a tomb, the only thing that we have control over as the living is their legacy. So as long as we're saying their name and if their, their pictures are forever floating through our, our social media, their spirit is forever alive here with the living. And only when everybody forgets your name and nobody's looking at your picture, only then that you're truly dead. So as long as we keep their name alive, we have that control. And, you know, we're not fighting for, for anybody that's alive today. We're fighting for the seeds that's coming through the moon on tomorrow. We won't have to be on these type of podcasts. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we don't want to add no more members to this that's right. unfortunate fraternity. Well, that nobody don't want to be in. Anybody signing up for this one? Ain't nobody trying to pledge and all of that? Not, not for this right. one. And this one, a life sentence, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. Nobody, nobody wants right nobody wants to and a probation for it we can't get parole none of that none of that Whatever, nothing. Ever. nothing not look not even a certifiable disability <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay okay so, so I, look, that, that that's my next fight <laughs> look so, i'm like everybody should get a certifiable disability with the harm you've created Okay. They created dangers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. A lot of harm and continuous. Right. This is this is this is the true public health uh, crisis right now. Truly, right? Absolutely. That's That's true. That's a whole other topic right there. Yeah. How about that? Well, you know, it's it's been really a pleasure talking to both of you. And as I was listening to what you were saying at towards the end here. I'm thinking to myself, well, sometimes I think about music. So uh, uh, with, uh, Beyonce says real ones, y'all are the real, y'all real ones. You know, some of these, some people in this movement are not real ones. Y'all yeah. are real ones. And you know why I know y'all real ones? Cause you put yourself, you put yourself on the line, you sacrifice. 
you mm-hmm. sacrifice, right? So y'all, y'all qualify as real ones. And two, and I, I want to say this real fast. So I do want to say too, uh, yeah. speaking of real ones, because we always mm-hmm. talk about people in the organization, right? Mm-hmm. Like said, again, I said earlier, part of that has to be with us uh, building a system to fight the system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have reached out to Deanna on phone calls, put in times. Y'all know I ask a thousand questions. I wake up ready to talk. And what she's always willing to do is whether she can find it or cannot find it, she helps me out. And that's how we have to be with the family. Mm-hmm. So when she, it's not just um, people a lot of times, they, they're you know, all barking on bite, right? Mm-hmm. And people get, uh, families will get reference to these resources where they don't really help us out for real. They say they're going to help us out, but then when it comes time to really have a question, they don't know what to tell you. So I will say with the with the Josephs, what not considering their situation, and they have actually still helped other families out. It's not just a matter of them saying, like, I'm doing that. Nah, they really are doing that for real. Mm-hmm. So families that look at the matter of it's not just um, the whole thing of like, uh, oh, they're going here, they're going there. They need to. If they're the ones going here and going there, whatnot, and spreading the knowledge and going to move forward or whatnot, those are the ones you got to put empowerment to keep moving forward. That's how you build systems, you guys. And you take the knowledge from them who you are listening to to go forward, period. But it's up to you to take that knowledge to move forward. They can't be the left one for you. That's right. with anybody. They can provide right. it for you or not. So you got to take that knowledge and move forward. They've been fighting for years now for Andrew. And they're still, they still fighting. That's they're the thing. Living. They're still fighting, y'all. But keep in mind, we saw the picture up and everything, right? And like you said, with the 72 hours, what was it? 40, 40 and 72. What yeah, 72 hours. Yeah, Within that, that point in time, they appealed the case. Y'all got to realize that, like, but we got to still fight. Because they got case law. Case law is super important. And yeah. you know what it is? Look it up. When we get off this podcast tonight, look it up and look how important it is for the system is concerned. That is how you beat part of qualified immunity. They still fight in that. Yeah. So still look something up as well. So, okay. Ran over. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but that was good. With real Peace ones. Respect. Y'all real ones. Peace, we're, we're peace happy and respect. And we appreciate the platform. You know, it's yeah. all up. And we appreciate y'all. We appreciate y'all. So if you want to make a donation to their 5013C, go to andrewjosephfoundation.org, make a a donation. If you need some assistance from them, go to the Andrew Johnson, mm, Joseph, I'm Johnson, (laughs) josephfoundation.org. It's one of those things. Um, And and, um, see what, what resources are available to you. If you want to make a difference, Get involved. Right. Right. Get involved. Help, get involved. Help us help everybody else. That's right. That's help it. help each help us help each other. We all in this together. We all in this together. Until Appreciate next time. Thank you, you. Mr. and Mrs. Joseph. Thank you. And until next time, this has been Life After the Impact. Good night, guys. Peace. Good night. When you see something like a Jalen Walker, where about a hundred shots are fired, which is obviously at least gross negligence, right? You're obviously acting recklessly. You're doing all the things that show we should we should take a closer look into this and hold someone accountable. And nothing happens. It usually speaks to, from my perspective, system wide corruption. That's like right. this is too blatant for. Sure. 
there to be no accountability, no action and something that's disagreed And then it's important because, you know, some of us know the history that right next door in Cleveland, there were 150 shots fired not that long ago. Mm-hmm. But this is something that officers in this region are getting away with and getting away with. Mm-hmm. And the district attorneys, the attorney generals are declining to prosecute, to do anything. So for us, when Jalen Walker happened, unfortunately, we were like, we have to do something very extreme to get attention. Right? Mm-hmm. We knew, we were like, because if we don't, people are going to pay attention. And not only that, that's what the prosecutors want. They want the community to be quiet. Yep. That way they yep. can sweep it under the rug. Our goal is to let the prosecutors, the mayor, and other elected officials know this isn't going away. Right. And you have to do something.